0: Good morning church Good morning. Good morning. happy uh, early labor day or happy, happy Labor Day weekend. you know we still got freedoms in this country <laughs> we're still a, we're still a free country We're the only free country in this world, and we all know why that is. it ain't because of no politician it's because of the word of God <laughs> It's because the Word of God was instituted long ago. There were Judeo-Christian values that the the, the founders of this nation believed in. Believed that you can't even govern a land properly without without the Lord leading and directing your hand. You're going to run people into the ground. Look at all the other civilizations that had all these false gods. And what happened to them? They were great and they were mighty for a period of time. And what happened? They all crumbled. (laughs) And and, and and the ones that were super strong and, and powerful and had intimidated everybody and had full control, they imploded from within. So we'd be wise to take a, a, a page and a lesson from history. Amen? Amen. How many of you believe that the Lord is in our midst today doing great and mighty things Amen. in your life and the things that you see day in and day out? Regardless of uh, the circumstances, you know, because because sometimes we've been sold a bag of goods that's not true. You know, yes, when you come to Christ and, and you repent and you get saved, and then now the, you know Jesus is the, the, the savior and the Lord of your life. Uh, yes, you're forgiven of your sins and all that. But some, sometimes there's a bag of goods that were sold and, 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 and someone said, well, everything's just going to be better and easy. That ain't the case. The Bible actually says contrary. Expect your life to be more difficult once you give your life to Christ. Because now you're, 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 you're having to deny yourself, you know, take up your cross. And, and what, when, when the Bible says take up your cross, it doesn't mean, oh, I just got this burden that I got to bear. Oh, this, this this job that I can't stand—that's my burden. No, because you know we look at the cross, and and what what we see is something magnificent, right? Uh, my heart warms up when I see you know you, you drive down the road and you know whatever you see a church building a cross. Back in the day, <laughs> the people that, that that Christ was talking to—they didn't look at it like that. That cross was 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 a was a, was a tool of destruction, torture, and death. <laughs> so so what, what what that cross represents is. Anything that that you want to do that's of your free will, you got to deny yourself. (laughs) Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z. That's what the Bible talks about. It's not my will, but his will be done. He's looking for us to be sold out, church. Today, are you sold out for Christ? I'm talking about it doesn't matter if the person you love the most dies. You're not going to turn your back on God. You're not going to say, oh, I quit now. I, I'm not going to go hard for you no more because because you done took this person. Church, let no one or nothing become an idol in your life. Nothing should sit on the throne of your heart or my heart but Jesus. That's what he talks about when he says, hate your mother, hate your father. You know, some people take that and they say, what well, Jesus talk about, man? We're supposed to love our enemies. So just right there, Jesus' teachings are out of whack. No, that's not correct. We have to understand the context of what the word is saying. He was using hyperbole. Daniel, I know you know what that means. (laughs) He was using hyperbole when he said, hate your mother and your father, your brother and your sister. What he's meaning is there should be nothing that supersedes your love and devotion for him. It actually works in this way. If you put Christ first, you're actually going to be in a position where you actually can really love your husband and your spouse and your kids the right way. But when you hold on to your children and your health or whatever it is that you're clutching on to. That's when you're going to lose it. You got to let that stuff go. I'm learning every day how to hold things in my life with an open hand. Because it's the Lord who gives and is the Lord who takes away, Amen. Be encouraged that the Holy Spirit truly lives in you. I've been experiencing this on a deeper level lately. And it's just, it's changing my walk. It's changing how I, it's changing how I view myself. It's changing how I view people. It's changing how I view circumstances. Because I'm understanding more and more day by day, little by little, more and more that the Holy Spirit literally resides inside of me. The power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The power of God that created this whole thing. He spoke and all of this came into existence. We didn't spawn from, from something else. We, didn't, we, don't, we definitely don't come from apes and monkeys, I believe. And it's true that God is the creative. He's the creator. So he could take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's why we could be similar to apes. But we didn't come from no apes, man. We are fearfully and wonderfully created. We're his prized possession. We're his crown jewel because we have the ability to rationalize and we have a conscience and we can choose. We have a will. Animals, they live at a base level. All they do is they just hunt and they eat. They don't have emotions. People think that, you know, this. no, this animal don't have emotions like you. But know that the Holy Spirit lives and resides in you that means you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who strengthens you you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies anything that you need at any given moment is available to you you can supersede your circumstances through Christ who strengthens you remember that when you're going through a tough time don't get bogged down by by the situation and the circumstance Rise above the circumstance in Jesus' name and claim the victory. Amen? The Bible is clear in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not the other way around. You see, some, some of us, we think, well, I'll come to the church house. I'll come to Christ when I'm ready. It don't work like that. You see, you got a lot of Christians that are just going off a high, an emotional high. Emotions are good. They're important, but that shouldn't be the governing factor of what you're doing. Because if all you're doing is going after an emotional high, you're always going to be searching for that high. And it's not about that because there's sometimes your emotions are fickle and my emotions are fickle and I'm not feeling it. Does that mean that God's changed? Does that mean we shouldn't stay the course because at this moment in time, I'm depressed and I'm not happy and I'm sad or you know whatever the case may be? No. So we draw near to God and he will draw near to you and me. You know the precise time to read the Bible is when you don't want to. <laughs> that's when you should crack open that book. When you don't feel like praying, that's the the exact time you need to pray. Because this is an irrefutable spiritual law in James chapter 4, verse 8. He says, if you draw near to him, he's gonna draw near to you. He's going to. So if you're if your spiritual life is kind of stale right now and you're like, man, I'm not really sensing the Lord. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, are you drawing near to God regularly, daily, throughout the day? You see, you and I should be speaking to Father God through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the, you know, through G- in Jesus name. We should be doing that more than we talk to anyone else. You should be talking to the Lord more than you talk to your spouse. You really should. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with speaking to someone who's there, even though you can't see him. There's something wrong to speaking to someone who's not there, but God is there. And, 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 and church, we, we need to develop this in our lives. We need to, to develop and get stronger at, at, at living from within, living from within, knowing that it's the power of Christ that's already in me, you know, because he didn't say he's going to change your circumstances, but he did say that he's going to walk with you through every circumstance and every trial that you and I go through. Amen. This is the cycle and pattern of the Christian life, something that I'm, again, becoming more aware of. You hear from the Lord, right? It's like, Lord, I need your help. Show me, give me direction, give me vision, show me what I'm supposed to do. So you seek the Lord, he gives you direction, right? Then you're at a crossroad. So now you've gotten direction, you've heard from the Lord, but now what are you gonna do? You're either gonna obey or disobey. I'm gonna either obey or disobey. And then the next thing we see in the cycle is, we experience the fruit of our decision, right? So you hear from the Lord, you're given, uh, you're given a direction. Now you have a choice to make, choose life or choose death. Either way, whatever you choose, you reap the benefits, you reap the fruits, you experience the fruit of that decision. And then testing and temptation come. <laughs> I know that we're in the midst of the Lord doing something might, mighty and great, in, in, in all of our lives collectively, because lately I'm not going to get into it. I shared with the men on Thursday night, but, but, you know, I've been tempted, you know, and I know every time I see it now. I see it that, you know, because Satan knows us by heart. You've probably heard that term, but he doesn't know our hearts, but he knows the things that will trip us up. If we give into it, if we come in line, if we come into agreement with those things and whenever the uh, the enemy's trying to tempt me, I know that something big is about to pop off. I know that some kind of breakthrough is going to happen, some kind of manifestation uh, of the Lord in a new and fresh way is going to occur. And so I just encourage you, church, to just stay the course, stay the course. Look from the long term, from the inside out. Don't base your don't base how you view your life on your current circumstances. He says, many times we just look at our current circumstances and we're like, man, this is just all there is." No, there's so much more. <laughs> Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what is prepared for you in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Amen? All right, this morning we're going to jump into uh, chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I've entitled this message, A Time for Everything. So uh, when you get there, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning. We'll pray, and then we'll go ahead and get into our message. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 down through 8. And it reads, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what has been planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. In verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we thank you for just your presence in our lives. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us and your desire is to draw us closer and closer to you. Lord, you have ordained every step that we've walked. You have a certain season for every event under heaven. Lord, show us again this morning what what this all means, Lord. Encourage us. Lord, help us to make good use of the time that you've given us. May, may we not see it as, as just some inconsiderate thing that we're we're not we're not grateful for the breath that you've given us the fact that we're we're alive we're upright that that our minds work that are they're sound and we we can understand we we can we can we can hear right from wrong and we know the difference father these are beautiful m- miracles these are m- majestical things that you've given to us the fact that, that we're able to operate in this way So Father, please speak to our hearts now. Bless us with a fresh anointing that we may rightfully divide your word, understand it, and find it important to apply it to our lives. May we not leave this building the same way we came in. Change us from the inside out. Father God, I ask this in the authority that you've given me in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So last week we wrapped up chapter two. We learned about how when one has any uh, amount of wealth, any amount of material things that they've that they've obtained in their lifetime, how leaving it behind can be burdensome. It can, it can be a burden to them. It, it, it can be painfully difficult to leave behind what you strive so hard to obtain in this life, and it's especially burdensome. If the person you leave it behind to is a fool. That's what we learned. Because we don't know if what's gonna how it's gonna be used. Is it gonna be used in a wise way, in a manner that's gonna glorify God, or is it gonna be just piddled away and, and used irrationally and irresponsible? We also saw that the accumulation of wealth, it comes with much responsibility. You know, many of us would want to win that, 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 whatever, that mega millions. <laughs> But little do we know? it comes with a lot of responsibility. Some people are like, "Man, just cash me out all at once. I don't want to pay all every month. Just give it to me all now, because they think, I, I, I might die before I can spend it, but die before I can enjoy it. But, but but with much wealth comes much responsibility. You see, it's stewarded wrong, much wealth can lead to much stress. And even sleepless, restless nights. We talked about that last week. The Bible has much to say about that. Uh, Many times the, the wealthy person, they have sleepless nights. They're stressed out about their wealth. They're always thinking about their wealth. They don't have any peace. They don't have any joy. Lastly, we were encouraged that just to simply be able to eat, drink, and to enjoy your lot in life is a gift from the hand of God. Who wants to be able to eat and enjoy it? to drink and be merry, to have fellowship, to have true peace. There's many people that eat and they're miserable. They're grumbling and they're complaining in their hearts. Maybe not outwardly, but it's like they got lobster steak and the whole nine. But their hearts are burdened with the pain and they don't have peace. And they have all this stuff. Or maybe it's the other side where people don't have barely anything. And they're grumbling and they're complaining and they're not grateful for their breath. They're not grateful for the, 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 the studio they have and the car that goes putt-putt. They're not grateful for that. They're like, man, I should have a bigger house. I should have a nicer car. But they're not grateful. And they can't have a meal in peace. You don't want to be that person, church. With that being said, we're going to dive into chapter 3 of this book. And this portion of scripture is very well known as a time for everything. And uh, Daniel knew I was teaching on this. And another uh, day, he sent me <laughs> in the morning. He sent me a uh, he sent me a little clip, a little VIVO clip, VIVO clip. And uh, do you guys remember that that uh, that group, the Birds? Some of the old timers, they remember that, right? <laughs> that song, Turn. Well, <laughs> you know, basically, you know, it, it spells out, you know, these verses one through eight. That's the whole song <laughs> talking about as a season, a different season of life, this and that. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We have several main points. And the first one is this. God has a sovereign appointed time for everything. Everything that happens. Every event that occurs. He's appointed it. There's a specific time in life for everything. You see, when we look back at the first two chapters... We see that now Solomon realizes the futility of discovering purpose in life through reason, experience, accomplishment, and pleasure-seeking. Right? He tried all that out. He was like, maybe if I'll be wise, then, 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 I'll, have, then, then, then I'll have an understanding of what's really going on, and I'll, and I'll have solace, and I'll have peace, and I'll, I'll understand the meaning of life. No, it didn't happen. So maybe through experience, and he experienced all that he wanted to. Remember, he, he did and could do anything he wanted because he was so wealthy. So he's like, man, I want to build this. I'll erect this. I want this. I want that. I have singers. I have slaves. I have wives. I have concubines. Accomplishments. All these things. And now he's looking to observe life through cycles. Maybe I can understand better if I see the cycles of life through faith. Maybe I can understand and have more meaning in my life. Again, the cycles of life are appointed by God alone. The definition of sovereign is this one who exercises power without limitation. That's God. (laughs) He exercises all power and authority with no limitation. There's no limitation on what God can do. He's the one who created. I mean, if you when you think about it, at least for me, I think about it and it hurts my brain. I can only think it's like trying to look directly at the sun. I, 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 I will never understand this side of, uh, of eternity, how God has no end and has no beginning. Isn't that what people will challenge you with? Yeah, you believe in God. Well, who created God? And then they think they're bad and smart because you can't answer it. Nobody can answer it. He exists outside of space and time. He doesn't exist in three dimensions. He created three dimensions for us to live in. His, he's, like a, he's like a diamond. A diamond is multifaceted. Every time you look at it from a different angle, it shimmers and it glimmers a different way. And that's like God. It's like the layers of an onion. You can't peel back enough to understand Him. And that's why the Bible says there's mysteries of God. You know. And this is what happened to Adam and Eve. They, they got itching ears because you know, Satan said, "Well, did, did God say? <laughs> They're like, well, I want to know. Man, you wanted to know, now look at us, man. Now we all got to die. <laughs> We all got to go through physical death because you wanted to know why couldn't you just be content in that garden? Sometimes I get frustrated. I'm like, man, Adam, man, E, what was your problem, man? Why couldn't y'all just chill and be eating the watermelon and the cantaloupe and the strawberries and being cool? You know what I mean? <laughs> no one would have gotten old. We see no gray hair. Probably, like I said last week, probably wouldn't sweat. <laughs> I wouldn't have this back pain that's nagging me. You know, back pain, shoulder pain, all, you know, it's like, man, but this is what happened. This is the consequences of wanting to know more, wanting to know more than we need to know. Those of us that are parents, don't you go through that with your kids? It's good to want to know, but there's a time and place to have that information told. I can't tell my kids everything. And sometimes that's even on me. I want to share it with my wife's like, dude, stop, <laughs> Kalos is eight years old. He's acting like he's 16 years old. And it's true. We only need so much. And God knows in his infinite wisdom. He's like, man, you guys only need so much. I'm trying to do too much. Now look at look at this look at the predicament we're in. But God set it up this way. You see, God of all creation has an exact time for every activity under the sun. And the reality is our purpose is. Our purpose in life is embedded in his purpose. You find what your purpose is when you find Christ. Until you find Christ, until Christ sits as the rightful ruler of your life, as the rightful sustainer of your life, as the rightful sacrifice for your life, as the rightful Lord and Savior of your life, you will never know your true purpose. But once you allow him to sit where he is to be seated on the throne of your heart, now your purpose begins to be revealed and you begin to walk in it and and you become empowered in him to carry out the good works that he has for you. You don't want to go to heaven and find out the Lord had all this other stuff for you. I'm not talking about material things. I'm just talking about good works and things of the spiritual nature. And you didn't obtain it because you didn't walk in the truth. You're like, I only did so much. It's like the it's like the it's like the one that's like the one wicked servant that 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 had the, the talent and he, and he's like, I knew you were a shrewd master, and so I, I didn't I, I didn't want to chance it, so I buried it. It's like no. You've been given breath in your lungs, I've been given breath in my lungs, so we could double up what he's given us. We need to come back with more, church. It's not about good works. It's not about work saving us, but it is about us being productive. He's given you and I a spirit, the spirit of excellence. You have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in your heart if you've given your life to Christ. And that's given to you so you could live in excellence. Al Davis understood this in a worldly sense. What did he say? What was his motto? Just win, baby. Committed to excellence. They were committed to excellence. The Raiders, man. Someone who rape and pillage and kill and steal. And they made a football team out of it. Billion dollar business. It's true. But we have the Holy Spirit living in us. How much more should a Christian live with excellence? Everything you do. Do it all to the glory of God. If I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out hard. If I'm going to make a beat, I'm going to make a beat hard. If I'm going to study for the message, I'm going to study hard. If I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach hard. If I'm going to love, I'm going to love hard we got to do that, church. we got to do that. And he will empower you. He will equip you to do so. It's amazing when you start to experience this. You're like, man, Lord, you, for real, you empower me. Because I was not even in the right mindset, and you gave me the right mindset. You humbled me. I heard Mark say, uh, what did he say this morning? He said, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you, shut up. <laughs> he told me this morning, man, I, you, know, you know, me and my wife are talking. There's nothing wrong. But then my heart got funny and I was going to say a little remark back. But, you know, when you're up here doing something and she's back there in that other room, you can't hear one another. We kind of both said the same thing. If you're saying something to me, I can't hear you. (laughs) And it was a good thing that I didn't say what in my flesh I wanted to say because it would have sparked an argument. And then I've been like, oh, you know, going through it right before. Sorry, I can't preach. I can't teach. I mean, you know how that goes. (laughs) <laughs> but the Holy Spirit will, 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 will show you, hey, man, go this way. Just, just chill. You don't need to say, it. <laughs> you know, and then it ends up working out. It's like the person wasn't even coming at me, you know, but, but we had it all messed up in our mind because our perception was off, you know, and that's why, again, church, we got to draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. Again, there's not a single thing that is random in life. This applies to everything, even the most minutest thing. It all applies. And look at this. <laughs> God will make a message out of your mess. <laughs> and God will make a testimony out of the test you go through. So even all the things that we bungle and screw up, it still can be used for the God, for God's glory in the end if we submit ourselves before him. All things are appointed. An example of this is Psalm Chapter 31, verse 15 says, My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. This is King David speaking. It's interesting because time can be a funny thing. And often it feels like we're at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes we can feel like that, right? Or other situations, it feels like time is going too slow. Sometimes y'all feel like that with me up here. Like, man, it's going too slow. How long is this This dude is really long winded How long is this dude going to preach, man? You know, we ain't in the South. This ain't no Southern Baptist church. Why is he going for so long? (laughs) Or sometimes we feel like it's going too fast. We're like, man, I'm on vacation. Man, I'm trying to be here. I've been here two weeks, feel like two days. Well, I got to go back. I got to go back to work. I got to deal with this routine again. You see, things that we want to happen right don't happen right now. Or other things like old age seem to approach us all too quickly. I've been noticing that. I'm like, man, why my, does my body hurt, man? I'm like, maybe I do need to shave this beard. I was like, you need to shave that beard. i like, I got so much gray. I'm like, man, I run into people and they always tell me, if you shave your beard, you'll look like 10 years younger. I'm like, but I'm like, do I really want to look 10 years younger? Either way, you know, it's just things that make you, you know, question, you think about it for a minute. But in this psalm, King David wrote that everything in our lives happens at exactly the right time. You see, we all experience challenges that are too much for us to bear alone. We all go through it. I know we're all going through that today. If we had a show of hands, everyone would say, I'm going through something right now that's too much for me to bear. It's too big. I need the Lord. We can't do it alone. And we pray for Him to intervene and to save us. But you see, it's also important for us to remember what David reminds, reminds us of in this verse. That our times are in God's hands. He's the one. He will make things happen exactly for us how it has to happen at precisely the right moment. He keeps us. He sustains us. So we don't have to be as stressed out as we can get. Because it's like my times are in your hands, Lord. You've appointed everything. You've appointed my steps. I can walk in your truth. God bless you, brother. I can walk in your truth according to just trusting in you because you hold me. You uphold my righty, my hand, my mighty right hand. You see, Solomon tried to explain all the cycles of life and nature in the first two chapters of this book and through reason and experience. And this led to a conclusion that life is just some random series of repeats for no apparent reason. But with faith in God as the foundation of understanding, all cycles of life are a part of of an intricate and specific plan. It's God's plan. So it's called history, His story, His story. And, and we can trace it back all the way. That's why it's good to keep records. That's why it's good to have paperback books and all that kind of stuff. Not saying I, I, I enjoy technology. Technology is great, but it's always good to have paperback Bibles and all that and and, and other commentaries and and, and interesting reads of of Christianity and how you can unearth new new things to you from the past because it's the history of things. It's how God has laid this out for humanity. Every event under heaven has an appointed time. That means even the little things matter. You see, every decision you and I make in life counts. For either bad or good. You have to look at your life that way. You can't just go willy nilly and just turn it on and off when you want to. You have to be, I have to be consciously aware of the decisions I make on a daily basis will have an eternal effect, they'll have an eternal consequence. It's all part of a grand design. The use of the phrase under heaven. Because notice before Solomon was saying under the sun, under the sun, living under the sun. Under heaven, this phrase is from, from, excuse me, a divine perspective. So he's speaking of things that are being led by the Lord under heaven. Things may appear vaporous in our limited perspective, but they are perfect. They are in perfect order for God. The different seasons of life are going to happen. They won't wait for us, church. It is for us either to accept or deny this truth. Many people want to stay young forever because they fear death. That's why they got the oil of Olay cream, so you don't have no wrinkles at 65. That's why they have all the dye for your hair. And I, you know, had a, uh, um, you know, a, a, a brother that um, he he picks up uh, some of the the clients, you know, um, whatever that I work with. And he saw me the other day. And, you know, we happened to just cross paths and. He's like, hey man, what made you uh what made you keep your beard like that? And I'm going back to the gray. I said, because man, you know, the Bible talks about us, the crown of glory for for the older people, man. We got gray. I said, I'm not ashamed of it. He said, Yeah, man, because I've been dying my beard and I said, he said, mess up my skin. I'm starting to get a, a rash. I said, I can't be doing all that, bro. <laughs> you know, you gotta dye it every two weeks. And then it comes out. And I said, then people can tell. Because it don't look natural, bro. It's too. You got to do a shade below what your hair is, because it ain't gonna look right. I said, no. Nah, it's just all vanity, brother. I said, you need Christ, man. You need Jesus. I'll hook you up with some with, with, with a plug for some beard care products. <laughs> but it's it, it, this whole thing trying trying to stay young forever, trying trying to live on this earth forever. It's like no, man. There's gonna come in a point in time that we we have to pass on. Whether we pass on. Or the Lord comes back and snatches up us us up out of here. We're not here forever, you know. Your last day should be your best day. The older you get in Christ, you should be more blessed. That is the pers- that is the biblical perspective. If you're looking back on your life and saying my best days were back then, and oh, I'm so I'm so heartbroken over the good old days, you haven't figured it out yet. Your, your 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 perspective is skewed. It's tainted. It's not correct. Praise God for whatever went on in our lives past, and praise God that He's delivered us from it, and we've lived the tale to tell the tale that we've lived through the things that we've lived through. But those are not our best days. Our best days are yet to come, Church. You have to believe that, because what is heaven then? <laughs> You're not going to care about all this once you're in heaven, once you're in paradise. Like the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. You think that thief was tripping? He's like, man, I'm being crucified right now. I'm dying out. I'm bleeding out on this wooden tree. But the the Lord said, hey, man, you're going to be with me in paradise. That thief on the cross recognized that, and he was blessed by that. He looked forward for the time he was going to be with the Lord for eternity. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. When heaven, you can't even help but praise Him. If you ain't praising Him now, you sure gonna be praising Him then. You can't help but have a, a, a sing in your heart because you're gonna be glorified. There's nothing else you can do. Just like in hell, there's nothing nobody can do in hell but curse God. You know that's not all they're gonna be doing. They're gonna be cursing Him. The gnashing of teeth, the gnawing, all that is because they're so upset. Whether themselves or at the Lord. The fact that they had the opportunity and they missed it, and the fact that they're stuck there for eternity. They're all gonna curse Him. It ain't gonna be a party in hell. Hell is a place for demons and Satan. Because those who were cast off that chose the wrong way, that is the punishment. That is when every person that's done something defiled that hasn't repented on this earth, that's where they're gonna go. That's where all the rights are gonna be, all the wrongs are gonna be made right. Because right now it seems like, man, so many people, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like God's glory is not fully manifested on this earth because what do we see? We see children being molested, people being killed. The fact that there's, there's anger and hate everywhere, there's racism, there's, there's bigotry. There's all these things that cause disunity because this is not the end all. And some people say, well, man, my family member was done wrong and, and they get so mad and I get it. That's in our humanity. We want, we want right to, wrong to be made right. But the fact is, many times things are not going to be settled here on earth. But in the final analysis, when it's all said and done, God is going to right every wrong and he's going to wipe every tear from every eye. We should have never got away from capital punishment. Some people need to die. And we'll talk about that as we get into this message more. It's the truth. Now you have prisons that are overrun and they got to let people out because there's too many people in prison. Because you didn't kill the people that needed to be held accountable and needed to be killed. Am I harsh for saying that? No, it's, it's a biblical principle. You letting monsters run loose and you think it's okay, it's not okay. Now, if they repent, it is what it is. You can repent and still die and go to heaven, but you still got to have get your business handled. Part of our opportunity is to recognize that many things we don't control. And we don't control things that are appointed. We already knew of Solomon. One vitally important thing that we can do, that we are in control of is our perspective, like Solomon. We control our perspective. You see, we can contemplate God's sovereignty over these cycles of life. When we do that, we can choose whether or not we are looking at these things from a self-centric perspective or a faith perspective. Based perspective, You see, a major takeaway from this book is that we can't really control much of life, but the difference between enjoying and hating life stems directly from how we choose to see it. Your perspective of life, your perspective and your view of things, your perspective and your view of God. That is what's going to determine whether or not you're a grateful person or an ungrateful person. Someone who's able to understand and say, you know what, things aren't perfect, but you know what, I know God is good. Or you're going to say, this, this, this thing's a mess, I don't even believe in God, and if he is a God, what kind of God is he? This perspective and the perspective we choose on how to look at life determines whether we are going to be fulfilled or we're going to be f- frustrated. You have to choose for yourself, church, what are you going to do? The second main point is this. No activity in human existence just happens randomly. Sometimes we think, oh, it just happened. It just happened. Stand. You heard that before. Oh, it just happenstance. It's just a dink. Oh, it just went no and no. It wasn't no dink. It wasn't just no random thing. It occurred for a purpose and for a reason. You see, Solomon declares that in God's wise plan, everything is appropriately timed. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Apparently to make us relying on him. (laughs) We're relying on God because he's like, I'm not going to allow you to just do your own thing. You need me. I'm the one who sustains you. I'm the one who designed you. I'm the one who created you. This writing is composed of pairs of events in human experience like birth and death, killing and healing. All these times in life are appropriately appointed by God. The word translated in verse 11 as appropriate is translated as beautiful in other passages, just like Genesis chapter 12, verse 11. Again, God created these cycles with beauty and completeness. In God, there's nothing that's imperfect. He's complete. He's lacking nothing. Look at how much he loves. You know, God is love, right? That's one of His attributes. He loves us so much. That it's like He didn't even need love, but He's like in His in His grand creativeness. He's like, I'm going to create humanity, and I'm going to create beings that are going to choose me out of a free will, and we're going to have fellowship. And I'm going to, you know, create them in my own image. Wow, that's amazing. That's mind blowing. That's why you. Love, that's why moms, you love your children. You went through the painstaking labor. And I don't even know what that... I'll never know what that's like. You know, I remember just seeing my wife get the epidural. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, man. I can't deal with it. I'm tearing up. and like, Lord, this is too much. I'm so glad God made me a man. I will never have to go through that. I'll never have to experience that. All you young ladies that are looking to get married, that's what you get to look forward to. Man, that's crazy. But it's like, after you go through all that pain, you just love that child. Why? Because the imprint of God is so ingrained upon you that you were used in a fleshly way to create that baby and you passed that baby through you into life and now that, that baby is yours so you have a, just, you have a divine love between you and that baby. It's instinctual. You don't have to teach that because that's how God loves us. It's instinctual for him. He's like, man, I created... How could you create something and hate it? You think God wants anybody to go to hell? He said, no, man, that's why I gave my son. Get out. The rapist, the murderer, the child molester, the person that lies on their taxes, the the person that committed adultery five times against their spouse, they can all go to heaven. Now, I'm not talking about rewards and all that. That's between them and the Lord. I don't know. We all have an individual thing we're going to have to be accountable for. But I'm talking about just like the thief on the cross. (laughs) Man, you can go. You can go and you don't got to do nothing. All you got to do is humble yourself and say, I believe it. I believe that you've given me the free gift and it's accessible to me. All you got to do is submit and be willing to say the name Jesus Christ and allow him to be the Lord of lords and the King of kings in your life, and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. That's a promise. So there's no excuse for anyone to not go to heaven. Those who do not go to heaven go of their own volition, they purposely choose. They think that it's better without him. And that's such a sad thing. That's why we as a church, we got to wake up. What did Michelle say? We got to be bold for Christ, man. And I'm not telling you to go to Zimbabwe. I'm saying go to your wherever you're at. You're at the supermarket, man. Say God bless you to somebody. Bless them. Invite them to the church house. Tell them about Jesus. takes a couple minutes. But it's eternally transformative. We need to take it that serious, church. Because someone took it that serious for you. Think about where you're at. If someone had not witnessed to you, if someone did not raise you in that way, you wouldn't be where you are today. So think about that. Pay it back. Because that's what we are to do. That's not even in my notes. It just is what it is. It's interesting because death is the last foe to be conquered. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55 says oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting who knows it might be that the death of death itself if i could say will be one of the most beautiful and fitting completions of the cycle of life when this finally done right we know that we know that jesus vanquished death but i'm talking about this this was in order for people to get saved but when he comes back in his second advent, it ain't going to be no joke. He's just he's like is it is a done. <laughs> I'm about to set all this stuff straight. I'm coming, you know, he's going to come through and it's just going to be no joke. That's what that's what the word of God says and I believe it to be true. The third main point is this, seasons of life come and go, but God remains the same. Somebody better say praise God, hallelujah because that's that's so important. Seasons of life change, where you're at today, what you're going through today, whether it's struggles, whether it's a good time, it's going to change. But God remains the same. This is so very important for us as believers in Jesus to understand because it's inevitable and no one can stop it from happening no matter how hard they try, no matter how hard they ignore it. Seasons are going to change I mean, I, I dropped off my son the other day uh, at school and, you know, it kind of brought a tear to my eye. He's still at that tender age where it's like he got out the car, he walked, you know, he walked about 10, 15 feet and he looked back to see if I'm still looking. <laughs> and I, I waved to him and then I didn't go because, you know, I'm kind of having a moment. And, and then he walked about, you know, five more steps and he looked back again. And I had to wave to him again. I'm like, man, Lord, it's crazy, man. I remember when he was just I remember when he was struggling to get milk and we were stressed out in the hospital. Only supposed to be there for like a day or two. We were there for a whole week. It was crazy, man. He was drinking milk out of a freaking little little plastic spoon. It got to that point. That whole ordeal. But and now look at him. You know, but it's like times are gonna change. Season are gonna change. This boy's growing. He's he's becoming a young man. You know, and there's going to come a time where I'm going to depart and he's, you know, I'm praying for him and my daughter that they would live for the Lord, that they would honor him. But, it, but it's, 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 it's pouring into them now, understanding that these things are going to happen, that times are gonna I'm not going to be there forever. Their mama's not going to be there forever, but God will be, you know, for you and your family. You pour into them because the hope and the promise is that God will be there, even though you won't be you got to rest assured you got to put all your eggs in his basket and trust that he's got your loved ones, that he's got this country, that he's got this world, that he's got our communities, but we got to do our part, right? we got to roll up our sleeves. we got to get in there. I don't want to be no bench warmer Christian. All I do is just sit. No, man, this ain't a church of sitters, man. Get in because that's how you're going to be. That's how you're going to be full because you're like, man, I'm doing stuff. But I'm doing stuff in the Lord's strength by the Lord's might and the Lord's love and the Lord's wisdom. And then you get blessed so much more. It's better to give, more blessed it is to, it is to give than to receive. Once you start giving of your life, that, that's, when it, that's when it pops off. That's when it pops off. Think about how blessed Jesus is. I mean, he gave everything he could give. That's why there's no name above his name. That's why no one can sit at the right hand of the Father but Him in in, 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 in an exalted state. (laughs) Because He's given everything out of love. And you and I have the opportunity to do the same. Even though in your flesh you think you can't, in the Spirit you can. Trust me. Trust me. Married couples know about this. Sometimes it's very hard to love your spouse. Sometimes it's very hard to love people but you can through the power of Christ. Amen. He's infinitely full of love, full of wisdom, full of mercy, full of grace, forever holy, sure to administer righteous justice whenever sin is to be found. Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The hope and encouragement for the believer is this fact. We can rest assured that no matter what season of life we are in, our God, our Lord, our savior, our Abba will never change if he said you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, then that's exactly what you are. If he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, then that's exactly what he'll do. Even in death, the true follower of Jesus Christ, you are not alone and you will never be forgotten. You got to know that, church. You got to know that because that's, that's what's going to sustain you. That's what's going to keep you moving through the difficult times of life to know that you're more than a conqueror in Christ who strengthens you. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses. So one and two, it says, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what's been planted. Again, God has appointed a time given for birth and a time for death. Each of our lives will have a beginning and an ending. We didn't choose when to be born. We didn't choose who to be born to. God chose. It's appointed. The application is this. Our choice is whether to receive the life that we've been given with gratitude and enjoy living based on faith in God. Or pursue and demand answers from our experience. Some people are like that. That's where they're at. They're they're, they're frustrated with life. They're frustrated with their lot in life. They say they've been dealt a bad hand. And, and, And I get it. You know, not, 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 not everybody's circumstances is, you know, exactly the way they would want it. Who wants to grow up in poverty? You know, but, but too many times we make these excuses and we just say, well, it's just too hard. Life is hard for everybody. Do you think life is easy for the person who, 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 who was born with a silver spoon in their mouth? Yeah, they may get by with material things and they may get certain advantages and passes, but it's the inter, the internal man. That was the biggest challenge. Do you have integrity? It's all the things that you can't see that really matter. And all the things you can see, they don't matter much because they're all going to perish. So whether you have money or don't have money, that's not the issue. Whether you were born in the ghetto or born in Bel Air, that doesn't matter. The The, the question is, who are you really on the inside when nobody's looking? What is your character? You can't fake it with that. And you can't get by with lying to people you can get by maybe us but you can't get by with god he knows who you are and that's the kicker you see we can be full of gratitude only if we look to jesus as the source of our life john chapter 10 verse 10 says the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy i speaking of jesus christ came that they may have life and have it abundantly who wants abundance in your in their life that's where you get it you get abundance from relationship with Christ he pours out abundantly to you everything you're ever going to need he pours himself out his life becomes your life and that's the, again it goes back to the whole the whole premise of his will not my will be done because he's given you his life, and you're like, man, okay, <laughs> I'm really overwhelmed with this, and I really do like. That's when you really begin to love, right? Is when you get the love source right. You can't love if Christ ain't your source. You can think you love, but you're li- you're loving with the skewed kind of love. You're not loving with an agape kind of love. You're not loving with the heavenly kind of love <laughs> that's ever so perpetual, that's always giving. <laughs> You can't do it apart from Christ, but with Christ, you can do it. Interestingly enough, in that sense, death was born in the Garden of Eden, and death will die in the lake of fire at the end of the age. An example of this is uh, we can get a bit of perspective of how God might look at deciding the birth and death of someone by looking at how the garden or how a garden is tended to, right? So anyone, anybody in here into gardening? I know, I know Betty, you're into gardening, so maybe this analogy will work for you. The gardener decides the best time to plant as well as the proper time to uproot what is planted. It's time to go. <laughs> you got to go, or I got a new idea. Okay, I'm going to put some fresh seed in the ground. When the harvest is over and all the fruit is picked, it is time to uproot what has been planted. Plow it under to fertilize the ground and get ready for the next planting season. Who knows, maybe God decides the time of our death based on when we have exhausted the benefits we can gain from living life on earth. But for the believer in Christ, we must be encouraged all the days of our walk with him on this earth. Again, as I said earlier in this message, your last day on earth as a Christian should be your best day here because of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16-18, through 18, it says... Again, the Bible is clear. The things that you can't see, that's what's important. On your deathbed, on my deathbed, we're not going to care about what job we worked. We're not going to care about what car we bought or didn't buy. We're not going to care about how big our muscles were or how slim our spouse's waist was. We're going to care about the things that matter, which are relationships. Did I spend time enough with this person? Did I engage with them? Did I actually have solid substance in a relationship with them and then mainly with God and then people? That's what's going to matter. It's the things you can't see. It's how you react. It's how you act on a daily basis. That's what's important. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 3. It says a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. God has also appointed a time to kill and a time to heal. I know some people don't want to hear that. Oh, I thought God is just a God of love. Well, again, that's just one attribute. He's also a God of wrath. He's also a jealous God. And, you know, just go to the Old Testament, pick a book, and you'll figure it out. (laughs) All right. Jesus healed many people while he walked on the earth. When he returns again, he will be the source of death for many. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 15 tells us this. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He didn't bring peace. It says he made war. His eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, meaning many crowns, and he... As, and he has a name written on it that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God, all capital letters. You know what that means. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. If you're dead in Christ, you're going to rise and be in paradise. Or you're going to be part of that with the white linen. You're going to be following along. From his mouth come a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. That doesn't sound too cool. The day of the Lord is going to bring fear upon people, man. It ain't going to be this joyous kumbaya. No, man, the day of the Lord, is it's all bad if you don't know him. He's coming to, he's coming to strike down the nations and rule them with an iron rod. People think Russia's cruel. Russia ain't got nothing or China ain't got nothing on Christ. (laughs) There is no mercy at that point. Because all the time one had to be saved will have been gone. And now this is what people will have to deal with. You see, God destroyed the earth with the flood when it filled with violence the first time. We know about Noah's day. God destroyed the earth that time and birthed a new earth and a new heaven that we live in now. The the earth will also meet a death being destroyed with fire. You can read about that in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Go we go on in this verse and it says a time to kill. Remember after the flood, right? God granted moral authority for humans to take life in exchange for life as the foundation of human government. That's way back in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 9 verses 5 through 6. He instituted killing as a means to prevent the earth from again being filled with violence. That's where an eye for an eye comes from. Talked about it earlier. Capital punishment. It's not a bad thing. It's not bloodthirsty. It's like, dude, once the blood's been shed, you don't want it. (laughs) It should deal with it. And it should be it. But now we just got, I mean, people just taking semiotic weapons. And, bro, I don't like the way you look. I don't like your skin color. I'm just going to blap you up. Anybody that come across, I'm going to just shoot white people. I'm going to shoot brown people. I'm going to shoot Asian people. We're just going crazy, man. (laughs) People are like, I don't like you. I'm just going to go stab you to death. What in the world are we doing? You got a bunch of people possessed or not exposed to the truth, exposed to lies, and they're running crazy. That's the world we live in, church. So take the spiritual things serious because you see it manifested in the crazy behavior of people that just live reckless, lawless. They live lawless in such a way that they defy God and don't even act as if he exists. It's such a horrible thing. In that sense, the fact he said an eye for an eye, killing can lead to healing. Next, there's a time to tear down and a time to build up. We have all likely seen a new building that's built, and at some point it's going to be torn down. If you live long enough, it'll eventually see the end of its usefulness and um, and it'll be torn down. I I automatically think of Candlestick Park, (laughs) you know. Candlestick Park was there for a long time and they said, "Uh, no, we're going to get rid of it. We're going to come down to Santa Clara. I I mean, it is what it is. They could have just did some work on that and it would have been still Candlestick Park. It's gone now. Now the Niners are down here. I mean, Whatever. (laughs) Think about military. It's common in the military, right? If any of you people who served uh, in certain in the military, you know that uh, you know what do they do when you come in? They tear down your identity, man. Whoever you were outside of the military, they're going to strip you of that, and then they build you back up as a soldier, proud to play their part in the military unit. Paul encourages us in a spiritual way for believers to tear down fortresses. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse four says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not." of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds tear them down also remember peter encourages followers of christ that they are to be built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood first peter chapter 2 verse 5 tells us you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ Do you know that's you today? Do you know, church, that you are living stones? You're a living stone. You're being built up in a spiritual house. This is it. This is it. A holy priesthood. The next verse, uh, verse 4 in Ecclesiastes, it says, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to weep and there is a time for laughter. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Part of being a good friend, a good godly friend, is to know when to grieve for other people when they're grieving and to rejoice when they rejoice. When you're when 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 you're when you're when, you're, when your buddy or when your girlfriend got a promotion, did, did did you rejoice with them? Or someone got delivered from cancer, did you rejoice with them? Or maybe someone died. You know right? Someone died and some sometimes it's kind of the worst time to start talking. And I'm a talker. But <laughs> that's the worst time to talk. You're just supposed to come alongside that person and you just grieve with them. You just grieve with them. Ain't nothing to be said. There's nothing that anybody could say. There's no words that can say that you can make solace, that can relieve the pain and the burden and the grief that they're going through as that person is dead they will no longer see them this side of eternity. The best we could do is grieve with them and feel their pain and share their grief in that moment. And that is a blessing in and of itself. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Jesus wept when he saw the grief of others experienced over the death of his friend Lazarus. Jesus wept even though he knew that he was about to raise him from the dead and there would be great rejoicing. Also remember the scriptures talk about David mourned over his sin with Bathsheba. He mourned. Yeah, was he wrong for doing that? Of course he was wrong, but he mourned. He grieved over the fact when Nathan said, It's you. You're the man, David. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That was mourning. That was mourning. That was a painstaking, bitter cry to the Lord. But he also had other times of rejoicing and dancing. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14 says, Wearing a linen ephod, David danced in the Lord's presence with all his might. That's he danced his clothes off. <laughs> he danced so hard, clothes came off, man. Next verse, verse 5, it says, A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones away. Uh, together, excuse me. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Solomon understood that there's a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones. I'm not an expert on this. Maybe he had, a, had in mind the account of his father, David, when he gathered stones, remember, <laughs> to face Goliath. And then he threw a stone to defeat him. In the ancient world, they would commonly scatter stones on enemies' land to hinder farming. Again, this, this whole thing of bringing stones in and, 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 and getting them out. Next, Solomon reflects that there's a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. The Bible speaks of a husband and wife when they should refrain from sexual relations for a season. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So we see there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from emba- embracing. Excuse me. And there's many other examples of that, but that's what I chose. All right, we look at verse 6. It says, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. The Bible says it's a time to search and it's a time to give up what, as loss and a time to keep and a time to throw away. These realities can all be observed through practical and real applications. The example is this. If you've ever moved, you know what this is like you've ever moved from one house to another it's like you have to sort through all kind of stuff man what am i going to keep what am i going to throw away i'm not taking all this with me to this new place so i'm getting rid of half of this stuff and i'll keep this little bit whatever it is right having to sort through all of it and you know it's sad but i, I think of the poor little children on the on the milk cartons you know their faces missing been missing for months been missing for weeks you know and they said they're looking or if you watch the um like the live rescue and all that, you know, they always have a little portion of time on their their show where they say, "Hey, we have this adolescent person; they ran away or they got snatched up, blah blah blah." They're searching for them. Every lost person should be searched for, but the search cannot last forever. And it's crazy because even when you look at it in a spiritual context, God is always seeking after us. He's searching us for us. He's seeking that He's to woo us back to Himself. But there's gonna come a day and a time where he is going to stop searching and pursuing. And that's it. All right, verse seven, we're almost done, church. A time to tear down and a time to sew, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. There's a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. Think of this example. So a tailor, right? Someone who deals with clothing. A tailor must first rip the pants or the dress or the suit to adjust the hem of the garment and sew it back together. There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. Solomon expresses this in the book of Proverbs. Also in James chapter 1 verse 19, it tells us, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. The application is this. There is a clear connection to righteous living in knowing when to listen and knowing when to speak. Again, we have the still small voice of the Holy Spirit will tell us, Keep silent. Keep silent. Maybe you're being berated, and it's wrong, and it's not right, and you're justified in speaking up, but the Lord says, be silent. You and I got to listen. And there are other times where we're so passive that the Lord's like, you better speak up right now. Stop being passive and, and, and stand on my strength and speak out in boldness and love to this person and do not be quiet, but again, If we're not drawing near to God on a regular basis, on a daily basis, we're not going to be able to hear that faint, still, small voice tell us what to do. That's, again, learning to learn to live from the inside out, knowing that the Holy Spirit resides in you. All right. And verse eight, it says a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time to love and a time to hate. This might be confusing since Jesus tells us that if we hate someone in our hearts, it's just as if we have actually murdered the person. But God hates evil and encourages us to hate evil and love good. There should be a righteous indignation that we have when people are wrongfully dealt with. There should be something that rises up in us and says, That's not right. That is not okay. But again, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But we shouldn't be like, oh, it's just, it don't matter. No, we should be moved. When we see these poor people, these poor children, these poor elderly people, whoever it is, being oppressed, being treated poorly, it should rise up in us that that's not okay. um, Psalm chapter 97, verse 10 says, Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. An example is this. While we love the church and non-believers, so we love saints and we love non-believers, right? There must come a time when we hate all the evil that people do before God. And most importantly, ourselves. Have you come to that place where you're like, I hate the sin in my life. Like I hate the sin in my life. Lord, I hate the evil that I do. Have you come to that place? Have you been raw and honest with the Lord? I'm not talking about other people, but you, yourself. Have you come before the Lord and said that? Like, Lord, I, I don't like when I do these things. I don't like that I, I've been that way. Change me, Lord. Again, Psalm 51, 10, in me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Finally, there is a time for war and a time for peace. The Bible is clear. There are just and unjust reasons for war and that the only moral use of violence is to deter the earth from filling with violence. I will quote that verse that I talked about earlier, Genesis chapter 9, verse 5 through 6. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it and from man. For his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by man shall his blood be shed. For God has made man in his own image. This is why you don't want to play games. I've heard it said me, to me before, are, you know, this is just in regards to owning a gun. And there's nothing wrong with owning guns. If you own a gun, that's fine. Be responsible. I'm talking about me personally. It was told to me, are you ready for the consequences if you use that gun? <laughs> I said, I ain't, ready. I ain't ready for that. I ain't ready for the consequences, you know. I don't want I don't, I to don't beat nobody over the head with a hammer and kill somebody. But what's gonna happen? At some point, man, it's gonna it's gonna be required of me. I don't want to go out like that. I told you, I'm a weenie. I want to go in my sleep. I don't want to die and just be like, it's gone. I'm gone, Lord. I don't want to experience no pain, you know. But you know, that's just a little side note, man. It might be personal. It is what it is. God will execute war on the nations at the end of the age, bringing all earth to justice, and then initiate a new age of peace. That's in Revelation chapter 19. If you're Uh, curious and also 20. Again, God has appointed the cycles of the seasons of life. They have a rhythm, they have a place. Solomon celebrates the order and certainty of these cycles. Yahweh gives meaning and purpose. This is a huge difference from the typical perspective of human reason and experience where they just look at life and a person as running on a treadmill and that's all life is. The same humdrum approach to life. No, There are specific reasons and specific purposes for everything done under heaven. Many of these people think there's no rhyme or reason to anything. The application is this, and I'll end with this last portion of scripture. We need to trust in God who transcends our uncertainty. The idea is this. Everything having been appointed means that even bad things have a place in God's plan. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. If you're called according to his purpose, even the difficult things, even the bad things done to you, even the bad things that you've chosen to do, it's going to work out for your good. If you put your trust and your hope in him. God designed and created Creation without death. But God introduced the possibility of death when He gave human beings freedom. He gave us a choice. He told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, and He added a consequence if they ate of that fruit that they would die. And Adam and Eve unfortunately chose death. So death has now been appointed. We also know that God has appointed death to be cast into the lake of fire and be no more. Praise God for that day when it comes. Every human activity is an invitation by God, an invitation to be grateful. This is the foundation to enjoy life, an invitation to trust God's sovereign hand. All things are appointed. This is a foundation to live a life of meaning and purpose. Isaiah and Michelle can come up. God has granted each of us the freedom to act upon his creation and impact human history. When we do this by faith and obedience, We are an active participant with God. This list shows us all we need to take full advantage of the time God has given us. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 tells us, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. You see, this message isn't humdrum. It's not doom and gloom. This message could not be more encouraging. You see, God is overall, and we can trust that all things are purposeful, including us and our opportunities to choose to act correct in this life. Today, church, choose life in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this timely reminder that under, every, uh, under heaven there is uh, every activity under the sun. Or wherever we're at in our lives personally, may we recognize where we're at and may we bring you honor and glory in our lives. We thank you for all that you do and continue to do. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.